Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm on staff here. I'm one of the pastors. Um, and I want to share with you guys today, I'm excited to share with you, um, you know, we, we've been talking about the spirit-filled life. That's kind of been this theme really since Easter. Like, what's it look like to walk in the spirit? Um, you know, the resurrected life, if you will. And I want to share with you a little bit about what it looks like to live the resurrected life. Um, how many believers do we have in the room? Like, if you say I'm a follower of Jesus, just raise your hand real quick. There's a lot of us. If you didn't raise your hand, we love you too. It's okay. Like, we haven't, all of us, we haven't followed Jesus our whole life. Like, we, we started following him. And so, um, as I preach today to people who are followers of Jesus, I want you to know that this is a prophecy of what could be for your life if you're not currently a follower of Jesus. So um, I hope that it brings everyone in the room hope. Um, I want to read 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, so often the enemy will lie to you as a believer and tell you that you're still the old man. You'll kind of fall into the traps that old man falls into, you know, when it comes to the way that you think, the way that you talk, the way that you act. He wants to convince you that you haven't even been born again, but you have. Like, you're, you have a resurrected life now. Actually, our research team has done a little bit of research. They found actual footage of the enemy trying to convince a believer that they're dead. So we're gonna play that. I want you to see what, if you don't know what it looks like, it looks like this. Bring out, Bring out, Bring out, I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your ninepence. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better. No, you're not. You'll be stone dead in a moment. Oh, I can't take him like that. It's against regulations. I don't want to go on the car. Oh, don't be such a baby. I can't take him. I feel fine. Well, do us a favour. I can't. Well, can you hang around a couple of minutes? He won't be long. No, I've got to go to Robinson's. They've lost nine today. Well, when's your next run? Thursday. You think I'll go for a walk? You're not fooling anyone, you know. Look, isn't there something you can do? I feel happy. I feel happy. Hey, guys, tomorrow, whenever you're at the lake and you're thinking about when Pastor Paul used to work at Hope, but <laughs> then he played Monty Python during service, and they're like, no, no, no. No, I love it, because that guy, like, he's like, I'm not dead. I feel happy. Like, he's, like, totally professing. He's like, I want to go for a walk, you know? So sometimes the enemy tries to convince us that we just need to get back on the cart of the dead. But you're not dead. You're not dead. You may have died to your flesh, but you actually were resurrected with Jesus. You're born again. The past month, you've heard all the pastors talk about uh, the renewed mind and walking in the spirit. But you know, you can live a resurrected life today. Like, um, you know, whenever I was a kid, 
I remember, um, I'll take you back down memory lane for some of you guys who are, are old like me. Hey, guy, I turned 50 this week. Isn't that crazy? To you, it's not. To me, it is. It's like, wow, I'm going to be 50 years old. But um, I remember being a kid and laying under the pew, those late night services. My dad was a pastor. There was no clock. Like, that wasn't a thing. Um, and there really wasn't no, there's no calendar. I feel like we were at church every day. Like, revival services for your life. And so um, I, uh, I remember laying under the bench, you know, because they were pews back then. And, and they were wooden. And they had gum under them. And, uh, and I remember laying there, <laughs> hearing my dad talk about the kingdom coming. And as a kid, and really uh, into my adulthood, I, uh, I always thought of it like the second coming. Oh, Jesus is going to return, and there will be all this stuff that happens. I always thought of the kingdom coming as that. And so, um, and maybe you do too. So we'll talk about that for a minute. And so, uh, you know, I would remember laying on that floor just praying to God that I would live to be 18 so I could get married. Right. That sounds laughable now. Like, that's what you did when you're from the boot hill. Like, you graduate high school, maybe, and then you, you get married and start a family. And, uh, and then I didn't get married until I was 28. So thanks, Cindy, for making that a reality. Um, she said yes <laughs> multiple times. She's had to say yes multiple times. But, um, but, then I, but then as an adult, I came to the realization that when Jesus prayed, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was talking about now. He was talking about you releasing the kingdom in your everyday life. Um, the joke around here is that I think I'm changing my title to the practical application pastor because I feel like that I have to take everything we talk about and say, this is how you can do it at Walmart. Like, this is how you can do it at Qdoba, Chick-fil-A, all the places. Um, and so today, I want to talk about the resurrected life. And I was thinking about the resurrection because, you know, Easter, we talk about resurrection. And so I grew up in small town um, America, the boot hill of Missouri. That's my roots. And, um, and very Pentecostal. So we, we didn't have liturgies. But, you know, as I got older, I became part, for a season of my life, I was involved with the Methodist church, which was more liturgical um, uh, path of Jesus. By the way, they're all parts of his body, just different parts. But, and I learned some things that I really loved. And so what would happen on Easter, some of you guys may have grown up, like, in a more liturgical uh, tradition. And so I'm going to try something and see which one of you guys were, like, not Pentecostal when you were kids. So I... Uh, I learned this on Easter. You say this to people. You say, he is risen. Oh, see, God bless you. You guys are making this easy for me. You'd say, he is risen indeed. Oh, I love that. But as I was thinking about the resurrection and the miracle of the stone rolling away and the miracle of Jesus dying and raising from the dead, and how when we accept the sacrifice, we also are resurrected. The reality is, is that the message of Easter is that you are risen. So on Easter, maybe next Easter, we'll try it today though, look at somebody and say, you are risen. And you, what you're supposed to say back, I'm risen indeed. I'm risen indeed. Yeah. What if we lived like we were risen? 
The resurrected life. What does that look like? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. I'm glad you asked. When we walk, I'm going to read Galatians 2.20 first. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When we talk about the spirit-filled life, we often focus on all the things that we think that comes from. Well, I got to do this. We got to make sure we do this. We got to speak in tongues. We got to give prophetic words. We got to get slain in the spirit. We got to do all this stuff. And that all does come sometimes. But ultimately, it's a life of surrender to the will of the Father. It's no longer you who live, but you're alive because Christ lives in you. So today I want to encourage you in three ways. If I can, last service, I did not make it to my last point, so I just, like, I did the whole thing in tongues. Just kidding. That's not true. That's not true. Um, so today I want to encourage you in three ways, hopefully, um, where you can live a resurrected life today. Um, I used to say this to my employees. I would say, hey, I, could you do this? And they're like, when do you want it done? Today? I'm like, no, not today, not tomorrow, to now. I want you to do it to now. And uh, this is a way that you can live the resurrected life to now. One, in your thoughts, in your mind. Let me read this. Uh, the Bible says, you know, as a, as a follower of Jesus, the Bible actually says that you have the mind of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians. I'm not making it up. It's in there. But I want to read Romans 12, too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, it's often easy to understand what it looks like to not be conformed to the world by our actions. Like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. But this says that you actually are transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know, later we'll, we'll read that you actually... You, you speak what your heart is. You do what your heart is. You think it first. So how do we live the resurrected life in our thoughts? Um, there's a few examples. I want to I make this clear before I, I go on this little tangent. I, I am not a professional at anything. I'm not a professional counselor. I'm not a professional therapist. I'm barely a professional pastor, and that's only because I get paid to do this. So when I talk about this, it's, it's what the Holy Spirit's revealed to me, but also I understand that we are all at different places. We're all at different levels. We're all at different, um, we can be followers of Jesus and all be in different spots. I was in a different spot a year ago than I am today, right? Because we're growing, we're learning to live more like him than we did yesterday. You know, I, I used to tell this story. This is later in my notes, but I didn't tell that service. I'm going to tell you now. Um, my daughter, she runs track and cross country in college currently. When she was in grade school, she typically finished in the last, you know, 25. She was in the back. And she, I would always like, baby, you don't have to win. You just have to do your best. And then every day, do a little better. And over junior high, high school, same message. Be more, be more better than you were yesterday. This isn't about our work, but my point is this, is that sometimes we're wanting the instant miracle and what I have learned, that he often functions in the long miracle. 
right? In my life, he's like, Paul, this is going to take a while. Like, like I'm going to heal you, but it's going to take a minute. But the reality is every day I pray to be more like him. And every day I become more like him. And then a year goes by and you look back and you're like, God did a work. And sometimes you'll even be like, I've been born again, again. Like I have felt that way before. To live a resurrected life in your thoughts. You know, we get attacked in our minds so much. Worry, fear, anxiety, depression, confusion, negativity. All of these, no matter where you're at on that, I understand some people have been diagnosed with those things. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you to stop taking your medicine. I'm not telling you any of that. We all are in different places. But what I do know is this. No matter what we're going through, physically, mentally, emotional, if it's, if it's not manifesting the kingdom of heaven, it's actually fruit of the fallen world. That is what it is. And the reality is if we believe that God heals, he can heal. It's just like healing cancer, right? If we believe that he can heal cancer, he can heal anything. But my point isn't that, oh, you're bad because of this. It isn't, like, it isn't about that. The reality is, is that we all struggle, but when we start realizing who he is in us and what it looks like to live a resurrected life, we can take one bite at a time, every day trying a little bit harder to hear his voice. Because, oh, there he is. That's what he said. Sometimes I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to say something, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, I wouldn't say that. Like, yeah, I'm just telling you, Paul, I wouldn't do it. That's the way it works. So, we got through that part. So I personally, in my life, have dealt with bouts of anxiety. Like, I've never been diagnosed with anxiety, but I've dealt with it. Sometimes I'm kind of a control freak. I'm not anymore because I've been set free, I think. Um, I'm better moments than others. But what I learned is that when you have to be in control, when, when you want to be in control and things don't go the way you want them to go, it manifests as anxiety. I'm like, this isn't what I wanted. But what I learned was that I'm, I'm actually dead. And it's Christ who lives in me. And I can tell you that Jesus, he's not anxious about anything. He's not anxious. He's not worried. He doesn't know an awkward moment. He's just there. Galatians 2.20, again, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we struggle in our mind, what if we ask ourselves? I actually went through this process with myself. You know, guys, just so you know, usually whenever a preacher preaches, I'm going to give you a pro tip. My dad taught me this when I was a kid. They typically are talking to you about something the Lord has brought them through, right? So I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching. I'm walking with you. I'm like, oh, we're, we're going together. We're doing this together. And so what if, what if we just paused for a minute? And we're starting to have those moments of anxiety, those moments of worry. Like, I worry about my kids sometimes, and then God's like, what are you doing that for? Like, right now, my daughter's working at a camp. Her phone's been turned off for a week. I'm like, what's she doing? Where's she at? I miss her. I'm just a dad. But the reality is I trusted the Lord with her. What if we ask ourselves, is Jesus worried? Is Jesus offended? Is Jesus feeling anxious about this? Is Jesus addicted? As a resurrected follower of Jesus, it's now Jesus who lives in you. I, mean, I brought some statistics today because we had this, you know, you saw our, the research team is really good at finding stuff. Um, there's actually not a research team. I made that all up. But um, it was just me. Um, 
But according to the National Science Foundation, whoever that is, um, 80, this is not the, I want to tell you this before I read this, this is not the story of a resurrected person. But just, this is just the, the story of what they say our society. 80% of our thoughts are negative. And 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. Which means that you're thinking the same negative thoughts 80% of the time. But what's Jesus thinking? I had to ask myself that because the reality is this. I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm saying a way that the enemy tries to convince you that you're dead and tries to get you back on the cart of the dead is to tell you, to talk to you in your mind, to convince you that things are worse than they are, to convince you to depend on your own strength instead of the strength of the Father. What if we simply approached every situation with Jesus' mind? We've already established it. You have the mind of Christ. What if we all asked ourselves, what is Jesus feeling? What is he thinking? What is he saying about me? We often, often some of the biggest lies in our mind are about ourselves. You know, I'm convinced that we can't love our neighbor as we love ourselves unless we love ourselves. And the reality is the enemy is going to lie to you about who you are. He's going to convince you that you belong on the cart of the dead so that you can't live out the fullest expression of who Jesus says you are. So you have to guard your heart and guard your mind. Jesus does that. You have the mind of Christ. I'm going to read this to you. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind stays on you because he trusts in you. He keeps us in perfect peace because our minds stayed on him. I had to ask myself, do I stay my mind on him? Do I stay my mind on him? I want to encourage you not to let your mind embrace the fruit of the fallen nature. You're born again. You are risen. You're risen indeed. I understand that we're working daily to become more and more like Jesus, but start today. Start to now. Have the mind of Christ. You already do. It's not you who live, but he who lives in you. For all you 90s kids, WWJD, like, yeah, bringing back the bracelet. Yeah, WWJD, that's good. So I may have told you this before, but I also did a little bit of research and found out that someone has to hear something seven to 20 times to take action. You know, the whole point of this, this little bit of time that somebody stands on a stage and talks about what the Bible means to them, it's, it's a little thing. The rest of it is you living. Like, that's literally what following Jesus is. It's like, oh, that was a good point, Paul. Now let's go live it. But really, you should be teaching yourself and reading the word and hearing from the Lord. And I want you to know that you hear from him. You may not think you hear from him right now, but I need to encourage you that you do. Sometimes you just got to quiet the noise. So I'm going to tell you again, I used to be easily offended, like it was, it was my thing. Um, I've said it before. But you know what I had to realize is guess who's in charge of you being offended? Who's in charge of you being offended? You can talk back now, guys. It's okay. No, not me, you. I'm just kidding. Yes, we are in charge. So I get to decide, is this going to offend me? Is it going to offend me? We talked about this before, when the guy walks in the exit of Walmart, is that going to make me mad? Uh, I've been set free of that, by the way. I have been set free of that, for real. 
Like, um, I've never tried doing it yet because I'm a rule follower, so I, you'll never catch me going in the exit. But, but I'm okay with people doing that now because Jesus is not offended by that. He's just not offended by it. It's going to mess with you tomorrow. Like, when you go to Walmart, you're gonna, it's going to mess with you. I think the ones in Nixon now, they locked them so you can't actually go in, which is awesome. You know? It's like, boom, finally. They rock. Um, as I prayed about my offense, the Holy Spirit reminded me that he lives in me, and he, that means that I have self-control. See, because if the Holy Spirit's in you, you have his fruit. You're like, well, I don't have self-control, Paul. I can't say no. Well, no, no, you have self-control. But it, it is self-control, right? This might hurt a little bit, but Jesus isn't going to stop you from clicking the button to look at porn. Like, self-control. You have it in you. It's a spirit-filled life. He's in you. He's in you. So, I begin to pray about my offense. He reminded me I have self-control. I'm in charge of how I'm offended, why I'm offended. I begin to respond with self-control. I didn't let the things that bothered me bother me anymore. Now, I still struggle. I mean, I have moments. There's still moments. You know, I will tell you, I've said, said, said this before, the, the hardest place to practice this is in your house. Like, I'm not easily offended by most of you. Most. But, but that was a joke. They're, they're not recording this one, so I just say stuff. Um, um, everything I wanted to say first service, you're going to get it. Um, but, but, at, but at home, it's a little bit harder. Like, my kids don't say something right to me. I want to get big. But I control my reaction. I actually control how I respond to how I feel because the Holy Spirit's in me. You know, it's things like traffic or that line splitting off. I know first service didn't get this, but I feel like you guys are a little bit of elevated crowd. Um, so, like, this thing that's been bothering me lately that I had to work through with the Lord is, like, the single line that has three people checking you out, and you're just kind of, like, going to whichever one opens up next. And then that random person who just starts another line in front of this person, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, there's a single line for all three of them. Why are you just jumping and starting another line? That really bothers me. It triggers me. I was thinking about that, like, the triggering thing. I feel like that. Nothing ever good comes after that word, I'm triggered. Like, I went and took my neighbor's food because I was triggered. Or I gave that homeless man my money because I was triggered. No, it's typically like, why? That I'm triggered, I need to go home and hide for a little bit. Triggered or offended often produce the fruit of this kingdom not the fruit of the kingdom. What if we, as Jesus followers, redeem what being triggered means? What if we got triggered and gave out some fruit of the Spirit? I don't mean praying about people. I mean praying for them. I begin to stay my mind on Jesus and who he is, what he was saying in those moments that I was bothered, and the Holy Spirit revealed and put those things into action. So no matter what you're struggling with in your mind, you're resurrected. If you stay your mind on him, he'll keep you in perfect peace. It has to be true. Like if we all believe the Bible, then that has to be true. I think then the question I would ask is what does it mean to stay my mind on him? 
So maybe that's what you should walk away today asking. What does it, because that's not the sermon I'm preaching today, sorry. But stay your mind on him. What's that mean for you? For me, sometimes it means going down to my office, sitting in my chair, and doing nothing else but just letting myself sit with him in silence. Because I'm such a, my brain's so active all the time. A million things are going on. And sometimes I need to just stay myself in him until the peace comes. Another way that we can live the resurrected life is through our words. I struggled with this one. So sometimes, like I said, I go down to my chair, and I often will look up in the Bible whatever time I woke up. So like this particular day, I woke up at 429, which led me to Ephesians 429. And I read this, and I'm going to read it to you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Let's say that again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So I was reading. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm sure that this is the way you do it too, like certain words will pop out to me. Like it'll be like, oh, I wonder what that word means. Or I wonder what like the Greek word is for that. Because it's like that's a, such, such a word. So like corrupting stood out to me. That let no corrupting talk um, come out of you. You know, when I was a kid, I thought that meant cussing. It's so much more than that. So I looked it up in the Greek word. I'm going to say it like YouTube taught me. So don't laugh at me. I'm just going to say it like YouTube taught me. I look up these words. I don't know how to speak Greek, so YouTube apparently does. And so it's actually sapros is the way you say the word. I said sapros, but they said no, the emphasis on the O, sapros. So that's the word for corrupting. And what that word actually means is rotten and worthless. So as I was looking, I get kind of nutty about looking into like, the meanings of these words, and so I found this word also in Luke. So I'm going to read you Luke, um, if I can find it, yeah, here it is. If I, I'm going to read you Luke 43 through 45, but I'm going to put sapros in, the rotten and worthless, into the, so here's the scripture. Jesus is talking, for no good tree bears sapros, bears rotten fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit, for figs are not gathered by thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what he's saying here, first of all, you're resurrected. This is how you live a resurrected life in your words. What he's saying is that here he's saying, let no rotten or worthless talk come out of your mouth. And then that word also is, you're a good tree. You don't produce rotten or worthless fruit. You are resurrected. There's times when you even slip up. Trust me, I do that. It's not even about, like, I, I thought about the word worthless. Because, like, like I said, I, as a kid, I was like, oh, it's like, don't, don't say cuss words. It's not, that's not what it's about. It's about actually what's coming out of your mouth, which is actually a fruit of your heart. And so I started thinking about this worthless talk. Like, I want you to take a second, just think about yourself. And just think about, are there times when you've 
you've entertained worthless talk or rotten fruit. You know, I went to Walmart. I, I'm at Walmart all the time, guys. I'm sorry. I, had started, I have started doing home delivery, which is awesome, but I've memorized Walmart, so I kind of take joy in going around and being, like, the most efficient Walmart shopper. Um, but I was there the other day, and, and you know how, like, I don't know if you guys do this. I have Alexa, so we'll always just tell Alexa what to add to our shopping list, and then I go to Walmart, and I pull open the Alexa app, and there's my list. Well, this probably never happens to anybody else, but when you're there, all of a sudden, your wife just keeps adding more stuff to the list. And by the time you're in the parking lot, check, and she's like, oh, yeah, did you get this? And I'm like, I, am, I already checked out. But I'm in Walmart, and I've learned, and I check my phone constantly while I'm at Walmart, see if anything's been added. And she added grapes to the list. And I'm like, oh, good, I'm still here. But we're pretty picky about our grapes. We don't want our grapes soft at all. They have to be really whatever the word is, firm, that's it. Everybody loves a firm grape. So, so I get over there, and actually there's only three bags of grapes. And I'm like, this is not going to be good. Like, because if there's only three bags, they've been there for a while, and there's nothing left, and it's not going to be good. So I go to one bag, and I feel it. Mm -mm. Nope, too soft. I feel the other one. Nope, too soft. Then I open the other one, and guys, they were rotten. Like, 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 I mean, like, growth on them rotten. Now, think about this. This fruit is rotten. Don't you love it whenever a good illustration comes along, just gets placed right in your lap? So, here's the thing. I would never dream to buy a bag of rotten fruit and take it to my wife. You said you wanted grapes. But, but yet, we release rotten fruit from our mouth all the time. Like, all the time. I mean, I, and I when I say we, I mean we. Like, I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm walking this out with you. <laughs> bite the tongue. Bite it all. <laughs> um, so, so one way we live the resurrected life is through the way we talk. It should be a gift. Ephesians 4, 29, 32, in the message. I'll read it again in the message. It's a little different. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. This is the part. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. What if everything we said was a gift? I, I just want everything I say to be a gift. Like if I'd shown up with a bag of rotten grapes, that is not a gift. That's the opposite of a gift. But remember when I was married to the most wonderful woman in the world? I have a confession to make. Um, turns out I complain sometimes. Uh, I'll be transparent. <laughs> so uh, if you surround your people who love you, that will tell you the truth about you, it hurts. But if you'll listen, you'll grow and you'll learn. So uh, I, I do this thing I didn't know I did. My wife warned me for years that I was this way, but then I didn't really listen to her. Um, I, pro tip for husbands, I learned this in premarital counseling. Um, if you, uh, your wife is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Like, and I know it's laughable, right? Until you realize it's completely true. And so my wife tried to tell me that I complained, but I didn't hear it. And then, you know, I work with people who really love me. And uh, they're like, you know what? You, they, they, they were kind of doing like a joke. You know, you always do this thing. Like where you're, when you have a meeting you have to go to or you got to like do something, you're always like, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to lead prayer today. Like I don't feel like leading prayer. I don't want to meet with that person today. And then I'll do it and I'll be like, it was so awesome. 
Like, it was such an incredible time. So I need to apologize to everybody if I had a meeting with you over the last couple of weeks. Probably complained about it, but um, I didn't, real <laughs> didn't realize it. But what I realized is that, here's the thing, my heart was not, I wasn't like, oh, I hate these people. It was just like, oh, I have a cup. It literally says, they bought me a cup. It says, this meeting could have been an email. Like, that's, that is the, the way my brain thinks sometimes. And so, so, but the thing is, what I realized is that I was actually releasing an atmosphere, right? Like, because when you talk, when you talk, well, the Bible says, I'll just read what the Bible says about it. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. There's fruit again. Isn't it interesting how our words are fruit? Are they worthless and rotten? No, because you're resurrected. Of course they're not. You're a good tree. You're a good tree, so you produce good fruit. It's in you. Whether you think you, it is or not, it is because it's who you are, because it's who he is. Every time, you know, we can, we can normalize and justify our negativity and all the while not realize that we're releasing, we're releasing death. So think about it this way. My coworkers love me, I think. They act like they do. But they make this joke like, oh, you're always like complaining about your meetings. You always have to don't want to do it and blah, blah, blah. Then you always love it. And you're like, that was the best meeting ever. The Holy Spirit was there. It was so good. But, but what happens is when I say, man, I don't want to do this, and I'm kind of complaining, it actually affects them. It affects the atmosphere. So like, just think about yourself, moments in your life when you've released a little negativity and what it did. Have you ever walked into a room where everybody's being negative? And you're like... I have to leave now. Unless it's you, then you don't realize that it's you and you're the one that everybody wants to leave. Then I'm sitting by myself in a room. I don't, I don't understand. The reality is, is that you release a kingdom when you talk. You release a kingdom. Is it life or is it death? Well, because you're resurrected, it's life. Keep that in mind. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like that like, angel was like, you, you nailed it, Paul. <laughs> Good one. Watch out for feathers, guys. Um, <laughs> don't, get all, don't get offended by that. The Holy Spirit jokes around. At least he does with me. I don't know about y'all. Maybe he's real serious with y'all all the time. Um, the point is that when we complain, the only thing we're building up is an atmosphere of anxiety and negativity. It affects everyone around us. What about the times that we talk and we disguise it as a prayer request? Not that anybody ever would do it, but like, you, you know, I, I remember this from when I was a kid. It's like, I don't mean to gossip. Pretty much if you're starting a sentence, I don't mean to gossip, just shut up. Like, do not finish this sentence. You know, oh, so-and-so and his wife are really having trouble. We need to pray for them. You know, do not come to me and say that because I will say shut up. I'm just, just so you know. Or I'll walk away. You're like, why is he walking away? That's not the truth in love, just so you know. Um, when we complain about our circumstances or people, it actually grieves the spirit. The spirit's in you. You're resurrected. Let's read on Ephesians 29:30 in the message. Don't grieve God, don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. That's good. 
Thank you, Eugene Peterson. Making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Your words matter. As a resurrected person, you're alive and your words live. The Spirit of God is moving and breathing in you. Out of the righteous, this is Proverbs 10, 11, out of the mouth, the, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the wicked conceals violence. I'm gonna have to move quickly. But I wanna say this, your words matter so much. I'm gonna tell you a story real quick about my wife. Like, I've been working on some stuff. I have all kinds of things I'm doing, like writing and reading audiobooks. And I, uh, and she, I, I started working on this thing and, and it didn't work out the way I, I wanted it to initially. And I was like, I think maybe I'm not supposed to do this. And she looked at me and she said, you have too much to offer not to. And God, I gotta tell you, she released life into me. Like I went on a crazy mission to just do it because she was like, you, you have too much. God's put too much in you. We have this ability as kingdom people, resurrected people, to release his kingdom out of our words. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're dead. And finally, we live it out in the way we act, our purpose. Tyler, you can come up. So maybe you say, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, I was talking to Diego a couple weeks ago. I'm so glad he didn't preach on this because I wanted to steal it. I even asked him, like, did you talk about that last week? Because I really want to steal that. And, uh, but he's talking about how, like, I'm not going to read it because it's too long of a passage, but I'm going to just kind of paraphrase it. Um, I, uh, I, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, who do people say that I am? And he, like, they all was like, well, they said that you're like, you know, a great prophet. And, and so we all know, like, we know who people say. Our whole life we've been told who Jesus is. If you were raised, raised in the church, I, I believed the Jesus that my parents taught me about until I actually got to know him. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. He actually then says, who do you say I am? And Peter, being Peter, Peter's like the kid in class that always raises his hand, like immediately, I know the answer. Like, I'll jump off a boat if you want me to. I'll cut off ears if you need me to. I've got the answer. He's always ready to act. And he says, you're the Christ. And nobody knew that yet. Jesus is like, you only know this because the Father told you. And then as soon as Peter said who Jesus was, this is the part that gets me. Jesus told him who he was. He's like, you're Peter. You're rock. I'm going to do this work through you. So really the answer to all of this, how to re live a resurrected life through your thoughts, through your words, through your purpose, is to know who Jesus is. He changed his name. His name was Simon, which means wavering, to rock, which is kind of the opposite. So maybe today... You don't know. Maybe all the while you thought you knew who Jesus was. But in this very moment, you're like, actually, I mean, you're, you, you're still a follower of Jesus. You just didn't really know. Like, you haven't been intimate with him. The other day I was walking with Cindy, my wife, and we weren't talking. Sometimes we just, like, walk and think. We're just like, <laughs> just go, go, go. 
And I was thinking about something, and then she asked me about it. Isn't that crazy how it works in marriage sometimes? Like, your spouse knows what you're thinking. And I'm like, whoa, there's like a, that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. Like, when you're intimate with him, <laughs> he'll start talk, you'll start thinking about what he's talking about. You'll start thinking about what he's talking about. And he'll tell you who you are. He'll change your name. Stand with me. So the real answer is how to live the resurrected life is Jesus. You know, you've heard it your whole life, right? Until just now, it didn't make sense. Jesus is the answer. Understanding who he is more than just what you've been told, more than what you might even think. If he's the king, what's he the king of in your life? If he's the Lord, who's he the Lord of in your life? If he's the savior, what has he saved you from? You're resurrected. Once you know who Jesus is, he'll tell you who you are. He'll change your name. Excuse me. You might say today, hi, I'm depressed. No, your name is Sound Mind. You might say, hello, my name is Anxious. No, he says, you're not only peace, but you're a peacemaker. You might say, I'm addicted. And he says, no, your name is self-control. You might say, my name is I can't do this. But he says, no, your name is suited for this. This is what you were created for. This is who you are because you're resurrected. I'm going to take a second. I'm going to have the ministry team come up. At this moment, as I leave the stage, you're welcome to leave. But if you don't know the resurrected life, Maybe you don't know Jesus. Come get meet, come down here and somebody that can introduce you to him. <laughs> it's this resurrected life thing. That once you get it and understand it, and you can walk in the peace and the joy, there'll be moments that the enemy's going to attack you and try to throw you back on the cart of the dead. But the reality is that you are a new creation. You can live it in your mind. You can live it in your words. You can live it in your action. He wants to use you. Do you realize that everyone has a story, and when they meet you, what are you going to do with that chapter? When they say, I ran into Jeremy Williamson in chapter 8 of my life, and that chapter was when Jesus showed up. That's what we get to do. Our purpose is to be the Jesus character in everyone's story. So maybe you don't know who you are because you don't fully know who he is. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or you've never met him before, there's people down here that just love you so much and want to just walk that out with you right now. So I'm going to let Tyler take over. God bless you. I love you. Go live the resurrected life to now.